Welcome to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. Each episode, your hosts bring you news, views, and abuse from America's professional rugby union, along with all the latest on the USA national team. Now, with all that said, let's get on with the show. Welcome to Earful of Dirt. Uh, I'm Aaron Castro, your host, joined by Josh Fredland and Craig Rinelli. Uh you can find them on Twitter at Josh Fred in Leet Speak and Craig Rodelli at MM Fly Half. Um, Craig did get a haircut. Yeah, I got it last Wednesday. Actually, I think I I think I had it for the last pod. Are you sure? I mean, I got I'm a haircut. I, I got my I cut my hair myself. I was complaining to Josh before we went on air. Josh certainly did not. That get he needed the haircut because he's going full like full man bun right now. Full pony. Right a bun. It's like a man. Explosion. It's a mop. It's like, yeah. a, it's like a, it's like a, it's a, definitely a mop. That's what we got going on. Um, but anything else going on, guys? I mean, it is like, it's like hell where I live right now. I, you know, it's not even, it's not even fun. Is what I gotta say. It, uh, it's not, it's not to Phoenix level, but it, it's getting pretty hot here. It's hitting triple digits. Really. So yeah. like, is it um, like we we set a re- go, we set a record yesterday? Did you go to the Russia game in 2018? I did not. Um, that was like 102 or something like that, and it was just like it was funny because uh, I I wasn't there. I went to the Houston game uh, the next week, and it was it was horrendous. Like. I was sweating my balls off. It was so humid. I'd never been to Houston in the summer. And uh but I remember what was it? Uh I was talking to Cam Dolan's dad, Terry, uh yeah, name drop. And he's like, What's gonna happen is we're at altitude. I've seen this happen before. They're gonna come in and those Russians are gonna melt. Like, because it's gonna be so hot. And then they're not going to be able to breathe. I was like, okay. <laughs> and uh, so, uh, and it sort of happened. We just beat the snot out of them after they had already beaten um, Canada, which was kind of funny uh, to when you think about it, just with the way things were going. Um, but, uh, yeah, I guess we we have a tour. Uh, we talked about our s- selection um, how about uh, MLR contributions to Canada? Twenty-three out of thirty personnel. Um, this was kind of interesting because uh, going into the World Cup, there was a lot of chatter that Kingsley did not really respect the qualitative level of Major League Rugby. But uh, I think this uh, this squad really shows that they're that maybe he does um, respect the qualitative level of major league rugby. And yes, there is some caveats. There were four players based in the French leagues that are all nursing injuries and they weren't being called up. So if you take those four that maybe, maybe brings it down to 19, but it's still way better than what they took to the world cup when it comes to MLR representation. Like, um, there's a lot of young players in that squad that are going from MLR, just like, um, in Gary Gold squad for, for the U S uh, that will be going to England. So it's a, you know, uh, the, the overwhelming Canadian, uh, Canadian opinion is we're going to get 
murked. And I was like, well, it's sort of the opinion and over here, especially after this last weekend. Um, AJ uh, may be out for this rest of the year. Um, I think there was an article saying he was on, on chatting with a surgeon about whether or not to um, – to just said he was chatting with a surgeon. It was so coy. Who? But how is there an article? I think it was yesterday. Said he's chatting with a surgeon today. So you know that would have happened yesterday. And there's no article today. About yeah, it's, it's rugby and injuries. It doesn't make any sense. Like maybe we should like send a a carrier pigeon um, to wherever this surgeon is to find out uh, what. What occurred? Isn't this, uh, isn't this like the second time it's happened to him too? Uh, would it be the second time he blew up his knee? If it's if it is his knee, yes. I think Was it's it? a low. I think it's actually an ankle injury that yeah. he might need surgery on, and it's not a knee. But either way, um, well, I, I guess I meant in terms of in like the second time it's happened, like right before tour. Uh, definitely missed some. I think the other one that happened wasn't a summer tour. Yeah, I forget, but it was. I think it was might have been the one of the ARC uh, years where he was only going to come in for one game anyways, but then he was out for six months. Um, you yeah, know, right? So, so who's going to be the fly half? Is, is Will Hooley the odds-on favorite? Uh, so Will McGee is injured right now also or is nursing an injury he if he is available that leaves contenders being will mcgee will hooley and then your outside shot with with luke cardi uh i couldn't uh i couldn't really tell you who because will hooley hasn't really gotten um gotten much time with saracens and then he was just recent really recently released um and that is a question we will think about um ben uh cam dolan is captaining the nola gold right now so that's a good shout uh for for next eagles captain he is in the senior leadership group so maybe i don't know um uh but it's of the three, the one that has played the most recent is Luke Cardi. That's that'd be exciting. <laughs> you know, they were really get hammered anyway. So it'd be interesting to see some uh, fresh blood out there at ten. Uh, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe Harry Bennett gets called up. Uh, you know, I was thinking about because Harry. I was looking at his New York picture for this year, and I was like, when did Harry Bennett get old? Because Harry Bennett is always. He's always looked young. And then I found out, like, I typed it in, like, oh, he's 31. I was like, man, Harry is old. I was like, he's been playing at a pretty good level for a long time and has always, since he became U.S. qualified, he's always been sort of the outside emergency option that has really never gotten his shot at, at the Eagles level, which in some senses it's a good thing that we never had to, but – I always thought that he he'd been hard done by not getting that shot. I think he was. He, did he go to the USA Selects one year? I, I forget. Um, maybe not. But I always yeah. I always thought he, especially the way he's been playing right now. Um, you know, 
uh, I, I think he's been playing pretty good. He's not – he doesn't have nearly every tool that, say, Dan Holland's head has, but we're seeing stuff that, you know, when it comes to his ball movement and distribution and the way he can attack. I mean, we've seen stuff we've seen for years, which is, hey, maybe Harry Bennett should have gotten a chance to be a starting 10 at the MLR level a while ago. Um, I, don't want to, I don't want to jump the script on our New York game. Yeah, we'll, we'll get sad, to I was very positive on Harry Bennett this week. We'll, we'll get what, to what about what about like an out? Um, I'm trying to look for the call ups, but what about someone like Calvin Whiting? I know he's a center, but he they try Utah tried him out when Hagen was out for well Utah. I mean, he's played fly half fine, but then you're then you are legitimately throwing a grenade into Utah season. <laughs> Like straight up, as if as if pulling four and then Canada pulling one, because um, then they're right right there. Their top two, their top two, their one and two scrum halves are gone. So that leaves ten uh, minute man Daniel Christensen, who has literally played ten minutes this year. So I don't know. <laughs> like, may, hopefully, maybe they have an emergency nine that uh, they had, you know, that they just contracted that's about to get in. I, I don't know. But I think you're you're literally pull – if you pull Calvin Whiting to go play 10 or center for the Eagles, I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it. I think he does deserve that call. Um, but then you're, you're literally pulling the pin on the grenade on, on their season, um, which maybe is okay to some people. Not okay to me. Um, and we're lucky it's two games because I guess it could have been three. And uh, I just I just don't like the situation we're in. Now, it would have been interesting if this was a domestic tour and we were able to do and in a non-COVID time, but you still had um, um you know, you still had t- it being here. So you could I wonder how many people would have been named to the side. Uh, would it have been instead of a 40 man, would it have been a 60 man? And then you just rotate in some dudes every game <laughs> to just, I mean, that would have been crazy. I think I, I was trying to do something else to like, a pro, I was working on a project to see how many different players that each coach had capped and trying to think of like how consistently you can keep go from world cup to world cup. And one thing that professional leagues having a professional league does is allow the the national team coach at the time to have a consistent core of players. Whereas like by the end of from cycle to cycle, you might have like six or seven players from the previous world cup where with the professional league, you can have 10 to 12, maybe 15, maybe half your team comes back to the next cycle. But um, moving on to this week, uh, that was uh, Nola 25, 21 DC, Josh. Uh, you know, this game was definitely interesting because just looking at the stats, you would have, ignoring the score, you would have thought DC would have won, but it, it came down to penalty goals. You know, um, Nola did miss one conversion, but they um, got two penalty goals on top of it. Carry meters, DC almost had more than 200 carries. They won 18 lineouts to seven. They had 62% of the possession, and they had 58% of the territory. But, you know, and I, I think we'd be hard. Um, 
I think we'd be remiss to not mention the four yellow cards that happened over the entire game. Yeah, there were three to Nola, one to DC. DC probably could have gotten a red and another yellow on top of that as well. But you know, this game was it was a, it was a physical matchup. It was it was a tough gritting matchup that you know ultimately Nola came out on top. Yeah, I thought the there were some some interesting calls there. I definitely thought that uh, DC got away with some stuff, but generally, uh, I mean, how many? If you can't score points on someone who concedes three yellow cards, I don't think you're having a good year. Like, you're not. And there were some things like the connection between Robertson and Tusatala is just not firing generally. And I know Dabalus started uh, in this game at at fly half, but even, like, there was a game where Dabalus started because Robertson was injured, and he and Tusatala, like, played very well together that game. And But in this one, you have um, – they, they didn't have a ball-playing center, so – Robertson moves out to 12. So Davalis is really, I, I really saw him more of as, as a front foot attacking player in this one, but whatever is going on, it just, it, it didn't really work. And, um, you know, they're kind of, I thought Nola shot themselves in the foot a lot. Like they've just been having, you know, inside the five or inside the 22 issues continuously, but, you know, for for a team that who had to scratch their fly half, who's like their fourth fly half of the year, um, right before the game, um, and then break the glass on super 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 reserve player coach Kane Thompson to fill out a twenty three. Um, you know, good for good for New Orleans. Like they're they're still in a in a playoff hunt and and. Unlike where uh, in 2019, where they just fell off at the end of the season, um, I wouldn't say they're surging, but they're fighting to stay in this. Well, they better fight because they have no more home games. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think DC, you know, I think in the West, mathematically, after this week, we have two teams eliminated. I don't believe anyone's mathematically eliminated in the East, but it sure feels like two teams are spiritually eliminated uh, after this week, and, and DC is one of them. The you've, I think it was last week, yeah, you know, between last week and, and this week's pod that we learned uh, that Robertson is going to Narbonne. It's Narbonne. It's not some team in, in racing France. or no, racing Narbonne, which yeah. is previously where Siasi Mahoney and David Tamalau played together um and interestingly in the year that they both left it was uh 2018 and they came over to, to the san diego legion is also um a year that rossing narbonne um well they got relegated to federal one um the next season so they so rossing narbonne just came up they just earned promotion from nacional um which is not the reformed Federal one, um, LNR uh, created a new third tier, which is different from how any like League Nationale de Rugby manages all professional rugby in France. It is not managed by the Federation. It is a private company, um, but anything below LNR uh, sanctioned leagues is run by 
I guess, community rugby or whatnot. Um, but which is not the same in England. England, the RFU somehow manages the championship and whatnot. In any event, I, I think you know, knowing Robertson's leaving the the brutal loss last week on on the missed pass, I just feels like DC has had their spirit broken. Um, I just say with that, you probably need to get as many minutes with Dabalus at ten as possible the rest of the way, probably. Maybe he's going to fill in at 10 for the Eagles, too. I don't know, man. Hey, he made the final conversion for DC. Hey, I mean, he can kick. So unlike another 10 that's U.S. qualified, who we haven't seen in a couple weeks, actually. Um, Moving on, uh, Toronto 21-47. Really a lot of defense in this game very early on. I I thought it was – pretty sloppy in the first half. And really the only thing that was going on was Noxie um, in the first half. And then you had some, some good attacking plays from, from Austin. And, but a lot of, a lot of things that happened really um, a lot of broken play in this one. Um, you know, we got uh Lerome White's, you know, intercept try uh, the last intercept he got run down, but in this one, he just, he, he, he tilted his head back and he just went and, you know, got the seven points, which was pretty sweet. Um, and then you had a breakaway try with Domakina and then Hugh Roach and it just compounded um, some, some good play from Spencer Jones. Uh, we hadn't seen much of him earlier on in the season. And then, you know, uh, I'm not going to say, I mean, not going to say they're done. Um, for the season, I think um, the arrows will be eliminated uh, mathematically this weekend. Spiritually, they are they're gone. Um, they will be eliminated mathematically this weekend, whether whether they like it or not. It's out of their it's out of their control, um, unless something crazy happens, like both New York and Atlanta lose. That would be the strangest thing, but. In which case, they just get a one-week stay of execution. <laughs> you know? um, but, yeah, I, I, in some sense, I hope this is good things to come for, for Austin down the stretch because they have a pretty tough run in and they need to win like the next, they need to win at least three of their games with, and maybe, maybe even need to win four to get in, but they're going to face, you know, they're going to face San Diego and they're going to face, they've already faced Utah. And if they end up tied on points, they lose the tiebreaker, which is head to head. So, um, you know, it's, they're, they're going to need, I don't necessarily think they're going to need help. I think that it's could be in their destiny because, because uh, Utah has so many players taken from them that it's going to be a problem. And so um, I don't know. Um, it's but, a real tough schedule. Uh, you, everyone saw my my uh, rugby yeah, network quoted uh, we'll, take there. That we'll, I think we'll, let, we'll get to that. We'll get to that because it's right next. But um, yeah, moving on. Uh, San Diego forty one uh, forty five. Correct. Uh, yeah, Utah forty five. Yeah, I, I mean, very exciting game. Uh, you know, Western Conference that fight for the second spot has been so intense. It was a two-team race for a while between Utah and Austin, but San Diego has crept back in. And this game really would have given them the chance to put themselves 
you know, right in maybe not the fairs, but at least, you know, on par with Austin and Utah for the, the home stretch. And it looked like they had it. Uh, you know, they were leading for most of the games. Sometimes they're leading by a lot. Sometimes they're leading by a little. Uh, but, yeah, with something like 15 minutes left, you know, they had a 15-point lead. Um, so it seemed like it was over. But Utah, to their credit, uh, came charging back at the end, um, scored, you know, six, whatever it was, uh, 20 of a lot of points in the last 15 minutes, including two tries in the last 10. Uh, and the final try at the death again for the second straight week. Last week it was off a, a line-out play. Here it was just a, you know, a, a bunch of phases right at the try line. Uh, but, uh, yeah, scored a try at the death, another win. This is the fourth time Utah has won or you know, fended off defeat here in the final seconds of a, of a match this year. Um, so this, you know, gives them, this is a huge win for them in the playoff chase really sets back San Diego. Um, and San Diego was playing well with, with Patty Ryan and Inferno. I mean, we talked about a lot of this last week. Uh, they do seem like a revitalized team. Peterson at fly half is, uh, yeah, really in, in mid season form now, but, uh, they are, they, they did start so slowly and this loss is really putting their back against the wall and they're going to have to have a, a really strong run. Um, to finish out, to, to have a chance at that second spot. Uh, Utah, on the other hand, as you just mentioned, Aaron has fate in their own hands here. Uh, but they do have a very tough schedule coming. Uh, they have the hard, you know, in terms of just a point win percentage, they have the hardest schedule of, of those three teams in the West. So, uh, you know, they're going to have to, uh, they're going to have to continue to play well and avoid some of their bad outings like the New England one, for example, where they, they really struggle to execute um, if they want to stay ahead. Uh, one other, you know, small kind of this game, which Aaron and I have been arguing about ever since, was I thought in this game, Utah, they ended up winning. I feel like they really were sputtering on attack. I mean, they scored 45 points. Obviously, their attack was doing okay overall. But for a lot of the game, they seemed – like it, without inspiration on the attacking side of the ball. And it felt like as soon as they didn't know what to do with it, they just turned around, found Mike Teo, passing the ball. And they're like, all right, let's see what happens now. And Mike Teo was just getting the ball high stepping, you know, it, it, there could be nothing on. He was not, he was flat footed sometimes. And it was just worrying me that, you know, in such an important game, I felt like the pressure was getting to their halfbacks a bit and they just weren't able to, drive the attack uh the way they had in previous games uh so yeah certainly something to watch for them going forward uh you know defense i think generally mikey Teo is a key part of their attack period for sure and i we i we went over his passing numbers we went over you know his overall work rate compared to what he normally does, and this is just an average. It was an average, not an average performance because he's performed really well all season. But it's it's, it's it doesn't it's not a huge outlier uh, against his you know his normal performances. I think that Austin, the last Austin game when they when Austin came up was where. Whichever I forget because everything bleeds into each other. Because I, I think I spoke to Ryan Ginty today, and I was like, "What's a what's a Saturday?" He's like, "Because he was messing around saying, you know, it uh, my Tuesday is my Saturday," and I was like, "I haven't had 
a full day off in um, a while. Not that, not that, you know, that matters. Like I, I really enjoy what I'm doing right now, but, um, and uh, like, the, yeah. So I think it was the Austin game um, where he, that was where he had a higher than normal, like use rate when it comes to meter meters, may passes and whatnot. But I, they were also like destroying um, Austin yeah. in that game too. So I, it's still I don't hard think to use stats though. Cause like, okay, let's say my, well, my, it's easy to use stats and you can say your eyes tell you one thing. And yeah, I mean, well, it showed, it showed me that I, I watched that game and I was like, you know, Mikey Teo is doing Mikey Teo things and, you know, they rely on Mikey Teo to do a lot. And, you know, I am going to be concerned with who they put at fullback in the two games in the, well, I guess it's going to end up being three weeks where it could end up being three weeks where Teo is gone. Um, and because for you're probably going to want to rest your, your, your guys the week they, the weekend after they come back because adjusting to the time uh, again is just going to suck. Um, so you're probably losing all the, all five players for, you know, for three weeks rather than two. So who do you have that the, the two, I guess the two positions that are going to really hurt are, are scrum half and fullback for them. I think they probably have um, a dynamic enough fullback that isn't going to bring you ev everything that Mikey Teo brings you, but you could probably slide Josh Whippy over. He can kick, he can attack. And in this game, he showed you that he, he can really do it. Um, Cleveland Lubzer is back. Like he's pretty healthy. He's played off the bench the past two weeks. Um, so, you know, I think they have guys to fill Teo's spot. It's scrum half. It's going to be a real question, but um, yeah, I, I, I don't think that he was used any more than he's normally used. And he is used a lot. He is used a lot, but you think about like, no matter what stat you look at, or right? even say meters per carry or something like that. If in a scenario where the team is playing well, he might very well have higher meters per carry because he's getting the ball in better situations. Where in this case, he was getting the ball in crap situations because they didn't know what else to do. So you might say, well, he had fewer meters or fewer meters per carry. But it doesn't mean he was actually being used less as a, as a part of the offense. It just means the offense wasn't working as well, uh, you know, at least – I mean, again, to your eyes, to, your to my eyes. eyes, yeah, to my eyes, it but wasn't working. It, it, it wasn't working eyes. in the first half, and then it worked very well in the last twenty minutes of that game. Yeah, Fraser Hurst actually, you know, I, I when he first came on the scene, a lot of people were calling for him to start. I, I still am a Basca fan, but I did think he actually brought a a good change of pace in this game because he was doing something that at least was a little bit creative, which was he was changing the direction of play a lot. You know, oh, so, I, I like, like that a lot. Yeah. Through the hands every time. Through the hands every time. Uh, but Fraser Hurst was coming in there, and he would you actually didn't know which way he was going to pass. Uh, I think that opened up the defense a little bit, and that 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 to me was actually what what opened the floodgates for Utah was was Fraser Hurst's entry. So, all right, moving forward, Atlanta twenty four thirty one. Josh, uh, you know this was. Uh, was this Rooney's third or second stadium, Craig? Uh, they've second only had two. Yeah. They've only had two stadiums this year. 
This year. Yeah. This year. Well, it was it was the first game out in Queens. You know that grocery store in the background got some great free advertising. But you know it it was a good game. Um, surprising when I looked at the stats. You know Rooney only had six hundred forty six carry meters, but Atlanta had a thousand and twenty six, almost saw, a four hundred meter difference. I went back and looked at that, and I thought that was just insane. And Atlanta has this at times they have this ability to do the same thing that NOLA does, which is also the same thing that Utah does, which is get inside the five meter and just give up the damn ball. You know, I, I was part of the, the hasty press conference because they had to get to the airport. But, um, the way I saw it was, you know, Atlanta likes to play a style of ball where they force you to come to them. I know they have an attack coach in Stephen Brett and he has a game plan. But the way Atlanta has run this, has gone through the season, when they have been the most successful is when they have forced the other team to come to them. And Rooney did that to them um, in this game, you know. And as Scott is, and as Scott says, they got held up twice in the in the tri, tri zone. Um, but you know, it, it was it was a hard game. Hard game for Atlanta because they they are still in first place, but now they were only ahead by two points, and Rooney has a game in hand. The Rooney Guinea foul, undefeated against Atlanta in, in three tries. Uh, it's that mindset now. They got, who yeah, is it? I thought it was a very entertaining game to watch. Uh, I mean, both sides. You know, Austin obviously is a great defense out there, but these two, I think, you know, New York and Atlanta can both put up really strong defensive efforts. I think they both played pretty good defense this game. So you know, your ability to score, you know, it, you had to execute on very narrow opportunities. And uh, as you're saying, Josh, I think Atlanta just didn't execute as well in this particular week. Yeah, they fumbled a lot of their opportunities at the end. New York closed them out. Um, and Harry Bennett, you know, as you said also, Josh, you know, they – Neither side really wants to carry the ball in this situation. I don't think you know it's more productive. I think for in a New York Atlanta match, you have to kick downfield and then play defense and hope to get a counterattack or a mistake. Um, and that's I think what both sides did. And Harry Bennett, I, I thought it was a great overall fly half in this game. He wasn't you know making huge line breaks and scoring a lot of points you know with the ball in hand, but he was distributing well. He was kicking great you know tactical power kicks. Um, and even he was he was not involved in a ton of defense, but he was he made a few scrappy tackles on you know near the try line. It's part of that effort just to keep Atlanta out. So really happy with what we saw out of Harry Bennett. Surprisingly, he's not kicking sticks. I mean, Matina can kick, uh, but it's not like he's kicking great. Uh, so I, I wouldn't be shocked if he. Yeah, that. maybe he should go through his uh, his motions faster. <laughs> yeah, that was like the slowest kick I ever saw in my life. I've never seen a uh, conversion block that I can remember. You've never seen a conversion block? I've seen a few, but the o- the only one I can It's usually re- when the player has gone like past the 90 seconds cuz you can charge after like you you charge either when they've started their forward motion or after cuz you get or you get 90 seconds and so and this is where 1 minute kick clock I wish they could get get it to the point where you could see where you could have the clock on in the stadium and the it's on the broadcast and there's that pressure there, but I wish that was a th- that was a thing. And then you just run at the dude because you know why not? Um, 
But yeah. Um, yeah, the, you had those two held up tries, and then you had the try in transition, which was scored by Kara Pryor. I think it was either Fuatai or Thaka Balavu caught that crazy bounce and burst. Like it was, and it's not like, hey, the, it was through the defense. It was like this, it's this thing that you call transition where like the ball is in the air. So possession hasn't been taken. And then it took this crazy, um, you know, so Thaka Balavu. Yeah, it's kind of loud. Yeah, and oh, the the C the C is pronounced with a th in, in Fijian, just to help you out. Um, and so, and then he cuts through that transition, um, and then gets chased, and then Kara Pryor's right there uh, on his left wing, and then you know uh, he's about to take contact, offload, great try. It was, and that was sort of what I felt was how that whole game went for Atlanta is not only was it their mistakes, but like the, the, the things that should have bounced a different way. And I'm not saying it was the surface, but just on another day, that ball bounces a different way. Instead of bouncing straight up, it bounces, you know, backwards or forwards or, you know, into touch or something else. Something else happens, but that ball literally doink up in the air. Thakabalov was there, and he just guts it, which well, is which is. Craig, correct me if I'm wrong, but Belson Stadium is turf, right? It was, it, yeah, because you saw if you if you watched the end of the game, you saw all the freaking the pellets. black yeah. dot black pellets on on Nate Brinkley's face. Well, so, isn't isn't um, Lupo Field? Turf as well, so uh, it's. I think it's a different turf. But different turf, okay. Because as I say, like, if it was similar turf, every, Atlanta would know would like would understand the behavior of the ball and stuff like that. Well, it's it's not that the behavior of the ball is is that like grass literally bounces a certain way, and that turf, not that it bounces a certain other way. It's just that it's it's weird. It's less predictable. I thought it was yeah. the other way around. I thought yeah, grass it's, was it's less, less predictable. predictable. Okay. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So um, moving on, Seattle at New England. Wow, man. I, I just, I, I thought it was interesting when Alan Clark, now the permanent head coach, I, I think, maybe, hopefully, um, and uh, of the Seattle Sea Wolves trotted out uh, JP Smith at, uh, at fly half and, Devereaux Ferris at scrum half, but then that leaves them no backup for, for scrum half. And uh, last week, the other week against Utah, and they end up losing that one close and they end up losing this one close. I wasn't like I, the other week against Utah. I was very, I, I thought Laoina foodie was very hot and cold. Like I didn't think he would be really ready for this level. And then in this game, I thought he played very well. Um, and he helped put Seattle in a position to win. And um, just the way their attack was going, um, I thought they missed some opportunities, but they were able to really um, toss the ball around um, in, in ways we hadn't really seen from them in a while. Uh, very good with the territory game. And it just wasn't working for New England in the first half Uh I couldn't tell you what it was that's going on. Um, I, I I think that they are missing Boyle like big time. 
because although he doesn't kick sticks and that's a big comp, that's a big, uh, it's a big criticism of mine. I don't think that Waka is as good of a creator uh, at, at fly half. And, you know, I think he's been all right and he's gotten the job done when he needed to, but they, they weren't getting it done there, but the real difference in this game was the bench, uh, the, the bench for Seattle, just as soon as the bench, as soon as the bench came on for new England, it, it flipped the script and they were able to get some stuff done. I thought Harry Barlow, um, he scored a try that got called back. I thought he was pretty hard done by, um, cause I guess, um, he was, they thought his shadow was somewhere, but if you look at a still, of the shadow it's like in line with the ball uh when it's kicked so it, he's at least flat um i was but, nice try too oh it was it was delicious um and you know i i they won the close game if they can get healthy they got johnston i think they're mostly healthy up front if they can get healthy in the back line they're gonna be um they're gonna make a good run towards that that second spot but um it it's you know, if you're a Seattle fan, you're like, ow, ow, I keep like right when that's the second game where we sort of fixed ourselves and we're in position to do something and we just shoot ourselves in the foot. Um, and I just didn't, there were some things I didn't like. Uh, it's really hard to put it. Um, their shape was all out of whack. Um, definitely really physical in some ways that I liked. And then in, they're just the, they're, Overall, you know, they've had questions of fitness over the past couple of years. And in this one, they, they weren't really fit to go um, 80 minutes on at 95 degrees in New England on the water, which is what they had. We they, like normally you would probably think that like Union Point may be more similar to Starfire when it comes to temperature. But it was a very hot day and it didn't really help them at all. Um, yeah, I feel like Seattle has regained their, the fire in their bellies. You know, they're, they're playing with a high level of intensity. They're not yet playing with a high level of skill. I don't think so. Intensity makes up for a lot of, of ground. I mean, now they're competing every game because they're coming out. I mean, I just remember that Toronto game. They were so lifeless. Toronto was literally just ripping the ball out of their ball carriers hands repeatedly. Uh, they, they, they seem to have fixed that problem. So now, you know, you're, I think you're unlucky if you're catching Seattle at the end of the year. Like a lot of the Western teams, I think all three of them have one more Seattle match. All, you know, I think San Diego, Austin, and Utah all play Seattle one more time, I think. Uh, those are, may not be easy wins. Actually, Utah's played them twice. But uh, yeah. San Diego and Austin have them one more each. Those aren't easy wins anymore, I don't think. So they had that going for them. But at the end of the day, I just don't think they – have put together the team shapes, you know, skill, consistency to beat a top level MLR team right now. Um, so this should be an easy one, Craig. Uh, Houston five uh, fifty two LA. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what do we recap about this? I, I mean, I think on Super Brew, um, if you were playing reverse prices right rules, where the Closest to the score without going under the margin of victory wins. I think the 120 
you know, person who I think was Corey uh, <laughs> picked LA to win by 120. Uh, I mean, that's that's where we're at. Uh, I mean, the final score was 52 to five. Look, I mean, LA had a bye week. You know, they they've faced some adversity for the first time this year. They faced the some week. adversity in this game. They were so sluggish on their way to 52 to five. <laughs> They, they 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 had faced some adversity, two losses out of their last four. Um, you know, their scoring machine had been slowed a bit. They put on all eight subs at like thirty minutes left. Yeah, I mean, this was just you know a romping. This was like a NBA World Cup uh, type of match, you know, where uh, they were just, it's just absolute murder. You you feel bad for Houston, and you got to feel like by the end of that game, Houston just didn't want to make a tackle. They're like, ah, why do, why are we even bother here? Um, so yeah, you hate to see it for Houston, but we've been talking about it for weeks. You know, they're mathematically eliminated now. Another failed season out there. Uh, you know, I think the coaching uh, there's going to be a coaching change. I think uh, for next year. So we'll see what that franchise can do. They have a great stadium and a great fan base. And you know, as an original team, I will always have a special place in my heart. But uh, LA looks mad about the questions that have arisen about, uh, you know, about their supremacy in MLR. So they made a statement here this week and uh, you know, they're, they're still, I think, you know, top dog in, in terms of shield. You, you know, it's, I mean, they rolled the subs on, right. And I, I have said this, I just want to see what it can actually, what they can actually do. I, I was like, take the, like if you're driving Abraham's tank, you, you flip the switch and take the governors off and you you go you go you go 70 miles per hour in your abrams tank you know that's what i would like to see one game and i don't think we're going to get that especially when we get towards their tough games uh at the end of this season um and uh there's there's two things i took away from this game one was on reddit that we finally know what a guillotine is Um, if for those that didn't see it it was a post by a, I want to say it was it was four hundred five freeway, right? Yeah, it was four hundred five freeway. It's a large um, martini glass filled with twenty four ounces of beer. I think it was Gilly's beer, right? Gilly's it was, beer. It was Gilly's yeah. beer, and then two. And it, as much as we, you know, I don't want to say hate on the EXOS program. We more so dislike the people behind it. You know, Gillen Robinson, I think had a decent match as a sub. So it, it, uh, and then um what was it? I remember uh David Still in the uh the Austin game, yeah. In the Austin game, I was told that he was only going to be used if he had to break the glass and uh well, uh his first carry was a line break. I was like, <laughs> oh you know, I, I I don't have problems with the the concept. I have problems with the the other stuff. Um, I think, especially as MLR gets more established, uh, you know, you, you probably won't have the need for, for that because academies will be in like established place where we can probably do what they're doing and, and pay guys a couple hundred bucks a month and cover their food and their rent and say, Hey, you know, you're 23. You're just out of college. You were uh, an NCAA Division One wrestler, or you played college football or basketball, something or hockey. How about rugby right now? Because that's basically how we got Alev Kelter. 
she got she didn't make the final cuts for the hot for the women's Olympic team in hockey. And, uh, you know, she, they were, that's how she showed up at, um, at the Olympic training center to learn how to play rugby. So maybe we can get some of those if we can figure out how to feed and pay these guys a little bit of money, not a lot, because I mean, no one's making a lot of money in MLR right now. So I'm just hoping Luke Cardi is learning all the LA Giltini magic for his Eagles uh, debut here. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, moving on, um, preview. Uh, you know, uh, we're going to talk about high use rates of, uh, of players in this one <laughs> Utah at New York. I, uh, I don't know what would mean it, but though Dylan Fawcett is certainly a highly used player in MLR. I think he plays every minute. Look, uh, Utah and New York, Utah has won a bunch of close ones. Obviously, both Utah and New York are in a very tight race. I think Utah – I think it's fair to say Utah has played noticeably better at home. Uh, you know, they, they always are a bit inconsistent execution. Their defense is a bit inconsistent. Uh, but I think on both fronts at home, they, they turn up a notch. Traveling to New York, uh, obviously they're not going to have that advantage. Uh, New York also playing very well, as we discussed, just beat Atlanta. Um, you know, they, they still have their internationals. Uh, Harry Bennett's filling in adequately at, at 10. I think it'd be curious to see if either Andy Ellis or Kara Pryor is able to play. Both left the game with injury last week. Um but I, I actually think Connor McManus also played very well, even um, with Ellis out. And uh, they, have, they have a decent depth in the back row. So I, I think New York is going to take this um, either way. Uh, I think it'll be you – know, assuming Pryor and Ellis are out, I'm going to say New York by three. And if they play, I'd probably tip it up a little bit more than that. Yeah, I think unless it's a crazy lineup from New York, I would go with – probably New York, uh, you know, probably New York by five, but with, uh, with Utah getting at least one losing bonus point, probably two. So question, because is, I think this is going to be, I think this is going to end up being a high scoring game. Question is the TV right on the website. What do you mean? Cause right now it has the game on CBS. Um, mm. like straight up normal CBS Father's Day weekend. Uh, I, I, I'm gonna say no, it's just supposed to be on. I think I the schedule I saw has too late. They said it's CBS, <laughs> Four yeah, CBS Father's Day weekend. Fall. I think we, uh, you know, we did 500k on. Oh, no, that that just means I mean, it's shorthand. I was, I was going to say, did they forget it, the, it, the S it, and the N? Yeah, it's just shorthand. Um, okay, I, I just wanted to bring it up just in yeah, case I, anybody's I, watching I, this and freaks someone out. Someone didn't press a button. I'm going to review, I'm gonna review my YouTube TV schedule here while while you talk. But, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, it's it's on it's on CBSSN back at Cochrane, so that's going to be interesting. Um, we did do 500K against the U.S. Open two years ago. Um, which had like an 8 million viewership that year on Father's Day. Uh, on Father's Day. So, CBS you know, Sports Network, according to YouTube TV, confirmed. There you go. So, just, just wanted um, to clear that up. But, you know, um, 
it is an early game. Like you said, Aaron will probably be high scoring, but you know, I'll take Utah by two. All right. Ball Soft flats got them. Are they gonna wear those? I mean, blue no, no, those kids are dope. Who who was it? Who said it on Reddit? Somebody said they're forcing Atlanta to wear their black unis in the heat. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like Atlanta has a black uniform, and then they have a dark gray uniform. Which is the same issue that San Diego had. It's like they had, they have a black uniform, and they have a dark gray uniform. Like, what? Why? Why? Because I, I was like, you know, like whatever. But um, and then so you have a moisture wicking all white uniform. You're gonna feel real cool on that turf, you know. Um, moving on, uh, Nola at Toronto in Atlanta. So it's gonna be humid. It's gonna be warm. Um, uh, Toronto gets some reinforcements. They got Ollie Lot, uh, some other, some Welsh dude, Sam and Sam Malcolm. Sammy the Boot is back. Um, uh, I don't know if they're going to be available this week, um, per se, yeah. but they might be. Um, Maybe it'll be helpful if they are. Maybe it won't be because sometimes getting guys bedded in um, the first week can be tough. Uh, One of the things that New Orleans has done all year is play good defense. That's that's reality. Uh, Their attack has been so-so pretty much all year. Um, If they – if their set pieces – Anywhere above 80%, I'm probably going with New Orleans here. Um, it's just hard to not look at how well coached that team is and how many games they should should have lost um, with how injured they have been, and they just find ways to win. Um, so it's really hard to not believe in them right now, whereas there is nothing that – I, I think that Toronto has the ability to hurt someone's someone's playoff chances, whether it's um, New England's, NOLA's, or New York's. Uh, you know, but um, I think I'm I think I'm going to go with NOLA by four. I think I think Toronto are dead inside after. <laughs> You know, the season slipped away. They know the international call-ups are, are coming and knocking. Uh, I think uh, – and I don't think being home for Toronto is really an advantage. I think no, I think the NOAA players are going to be better acclimated to the Atlanta weather than Toronto is. So, I think – I want to say NOAA by 10. Oh, nice. Mm, I – you know, it is their home base. They have performed better there even in their losses. Um. Give me Toronto by four. Have they? I like. I can't. Have they even have they even won a game in Atlanta? I don't remember. Yes, they beat Seattle by like uh, forty-five a million. Yeah, it was like they they took drumsticks to Seattle's head and they went like this. <laughs> but you know, it is their home base. They don't have to travel. You know, they are technically the away team for like all of their games this year. But it is their home base. They have been there. They have. They have been sharing Atlanta's facilities. Um, I do like them, you know, at least attempting to, to do something to finish out the season strong. 
um, even if it's a lost cause. But you know, yeah, I'll, I'm gonna take Toronto by four. Um, wow. so, all right, Josh with the. Uh, I mean, yeah. his picks haven't been good all year. Contrarian but he's, uh, picks. He's the only person picking that has shown Wavos um, when he picks. So um, the rest of us are just. Hey, I picked. I picked LA by thirty last week. I didn't think it was going to be more than that. <laughs> oh yeah, you didn't think <laughs> over one twenty. It was a real Wavos. <laughs> I think, like you know, I, the thing with that is like so all so. Um, San Diego um, had some revenge um, excreted on them by uh, by former players, Ali Khalifi, then Vili Tolutau, in back-to-back weeks. Um, so Seattle. Seattle, yeah, yeah. Seattle, Seattle. So does that happen again? I, I don't know. But, um, like, ooh, oh, oh, it could happen because Lerome White, was a Seattle old oh, man? Oof. Storylines. We'll get to that one. Um, Houston at Atlanta. Um, I don't even think this is gonna be low scoring. I think this is gonna be a game where uh, I think this is gonna be Atlanta's get right game, and I think uh, it's gonna be as there's gonna be a goose egg uh, for for Houston, and Atlanta's probably gonna put up thirty five. I was gonna say, did, when you say low scoring, did you mean in, or high scoring? Did you mean in total or just for Atlanta? Oh, it's gonna be high scoring in for one team, and it's gonna be <laughs> a goose egg for another. I do not see, especially after last week's performance, Houston scoring anywhere inside the first seventy-five minutes of the game. I, I don't know if I'd go that far, but you know, it, I think you're right. It is it is going to be Atlanta's get right game. You know, Scott Lawrence was not happy with the performance at all last week. They they should have won that game. Um, you know, they kind of they came close to giving it away almost. Um, you know what? I'm gonna stick. I I'm gonna stick with Atlanta by thirty. Sometimes when a team is eliminated, like Houston. There's a, a pressure released, and all of a sudden they just have nothing to lose and just go, you know, throw everything up against the wall. They go and on um, that Paul Emmerich run again, but they go four and one last year. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that said, I don't think this is one of those times. Uh, yeah, I'll say Atlanta by 21. Atlanta by 21. All right. So next up is, uh, you know, speaking of offense, um, LA at San Diego. The return to Torero. So that'll be that'll be fun, you know. Do we know Aaron, do we know um capacity for that? Uh at least fifty percent. At least fifty. So, so you know, well, it'll be rocking. It will definitely they, be they rocking. sold they sold they they didn't sell tickets until last week because they did limited capacity for season their who their pre their season ticket holders. Mm. Um but they opened uh, ticketing last week. So I, I think you're probably going to get 3,000 people there. It's San Diego County. It's not LA County, but even um, even the last Giltini's game, when they don't really have capacity restrictions anymore, they had, uh, they had almost 3,000 people there. So I think it was their highest attendance so far for, for the Giltini. So good on them. Um, even though they play in a cavern. <laughs> You know, like I, I think this will be a, a high-scoring game all around. I I'm just gonna go out. I'm gonna 
you, I'm gonna make another Huevos prediction. It's gonna be the first game to break a hundred. It will be the first game to break a hundred. Scorigami. Yes. There's never been a game that broke a hundred. You saying hundred total points? Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Yes. We haven't had one. We haven't had one yet. How? Ninety-seven, I believe it was. And I think that happened. Was it? Or wasn't this year? Sorry. Was what was it? Ninety-four was the highest. Um, mm, LA will still probably win. Um, let's go LA by six. Um. Uh, no, I think Darren Coleman's going to want to prove something here. Um, probably. I mean, Ethan McVeigh is apparently healthy. He had it was just it just ended up being a niggle. Um, although he was like carted off the field, he's he's good to, good to go. Um, give me LA by ten. All right, you guys are, are in favor of a close game. I mean, let's just rehash that these teams have played earlier this year and LA won 45-17. Yeah, um, but in, in the, the past couple of weeks, has San Diego not come into form? They have. They're closing a 25-point you know, gap. I don't know if they're coming to that kind of form. I said 10 points. Um, relative to the last time, they lost by you know, almost 30. Uh so, um, in any case, I, I'm going to go a little bigger for LA. I, I think LA wins by uh, LA by 15. Um, LA by 15, huh? So, final game: Austin at Seattle. Craig, what do you think? I think uh, no one should overlook Seattle. Like I said before. Uh, however, I actually think Austin's attack is is reaching a peak. You know, for the year, you know, they're they're they think they had like nine hundred meters carried this week too, um, which is really high for them. Not not yeah, half of that. Half of that was Larome's breakaway. Yeah. <laughs> well, now they have Larome. Yeah, you know, really fully unleashed. Uh, watch out uh, other teams' defenses. Uh, so yeah, I think Austin is, is actually playing pretty well right now. Um, on both sides of the ball, I, I wouldn't want to catch Austin, uh, you know, if I if I were an MLR team. So I'm going to say, even in Starfire, I'm going to say Austin by eight. Gosh. You know, I, I'm, I think I'm on this. I'm on a similar line as you, Craig. You know, I'm I'm just going to say Austin by five. You know, offense is clicking, but you know, I think Seattle's starting to come around. You know, they're making those incremental steps to to get right. But I'm still taking Austin by five. Um, I think. I, I don't know if if I don't know what to think of like Austin's performance against Toronto. Like if their attack is actually going to click against Seattle, it, it didn't the last time. But uh, you know, losing is a habit, and I don't really like as much as they have improved on the field. They have still not won any games since the Utah game um, when they traveled down to Zion's. So, yeah. Um, where were you at, Craig? Austin by ten. I said eight. Eight. Uh. Hey, Seattle beat San Diego at Starfire. So, oh yeah. Okay. Um, I think I'll go ten. Yeah. Austin by ten. Look it. Lerone White gets his revenge. So, um. Ah, we do have questions this week. Uh, need to get to those. Uh, let's go. Um, bum, bum. 
life at life love rugby or life love rugby on Twitter. You can find him at LL rugby. How can MLR teams benefit when USA wins the rights to rugby world cup? I prefer 2029 and 2031. Also, which major U S company would you like to see uh, sign on as ML, um, an MLR sponsor, Coca-Cola, McDonald's, Costco, so on. Let's get some Costco going. What do you think about major companies to be like major retailers? Costco, you like Costco? I love Costco. Costco is the greatest. Like them as a consumer? Yeah, they're great. Like them as a sponsor? Sure. Anyone who's willing to sponsor. Are you saying you don't like them in mergers and acquisitions? Is that what you're saying, Craig Gardelli? I'm just trying to figure out what in what context we're talking it, about. As a no, what spawn what of these brands, Costco, McDonald's, or Coca-Cola, um, and so on, would you like to see sign on as an MLR sponsor? And like, give me, give me, give me all of them. Give me all. Yeah, of them. beggars can't be choosers. Uh, I, uh, yeah. Well, some at some point we're at the point where we're going to turn away corporate sponsors. Let me know. But until then, I mean, I'd happily um, take any of them uh, or anyone else for that matter. I mean, if you're a, a recognizable public company or just you know, recognizable company to the public, uh, you know, come on in, sponsor a team. The, the interesting part of the question is like, how do you think MLR teams will benefit? Well, I mean, MLR teams are going to be ones driving the growth of the sports as we get to 2029 and 2031. Will they benefit? Will MLR, MLR teams benefit from us having the World Cup rights? Yeah, I think so. But it they'll benefit from all the work they've done um, to grow the sport. Um, I mean, the NGB is here to do stuff, but the NGB also just went through a bankruptcy. So I don't think the NGB is going to be driving the growth of grassroots rugby um, anytime soon. And if it's a really entertaining spectacle, you create new rugby fans in America that when it ends will need a new place to watch rugby. So, you know, if, if yeah. it's executed well, it, you know, you would think it would drive a lot of could drive interest in the yeah, league. Exactly. I, I, know, it's, I well. know it's a sideways step, but do we have any data or any idea of what the the Sevens World Cup in uh, San Francisco did? For- I, I mean, it, it did it did pretty well on TV, but it didn't turn into like it didn't create growth um, in registrations or or anything. Like, I mean, World Rugby made money. Yeah, you, USA, animal, though. USA like, rugby didn't make any money. Seven from the US is even less organized than 15. So I think it's it's so hard to translate that. You know, it was it's an interesting thing because people said sevens would be what drives the growth of the sport in the US. And in some ways it has driven interests, but it hasn't driven participation at no. all. Yeah, I, I agree. think it's created and it's created val- validity because you get funding from the USOC. But other than that, there hasn't been much so far. I don't think in a I, a sevens World Cup, which is at one stadium in one city, is going to have economic impact on that one city, but it's not going to have lasting impact. Um, and all of the initiatives that were supposed to be funded ended up not getting funded because. Um, the sponsorship people at USA Rugby and RIM failed to meet sponsorship targets. So all of the legacy initiatives never got funded. So I think if we want this to make a positive impact other than you know 
financially, whatever. Hopefully that works out too. But like on the psyche of America, we need to have a good story, you know, a narrative around the USA team going into the World Cup that gets people excited and they watch it and they enjoy what they're seeing. I mean, I think that's the key. Yeah. Um, and if they do that, I think that translates to more fans for MLR in the future. Yeah. Um, at Taft Rugby, uh, which is the Taft High School in Chicago, I think, um, is asking us which of the contending teams will miss out on the playoffs due to international call-ups. Utah. <laughs> uh, Utah or New York would be would be the two. I mean, and they're both and they're both and they're both playing this weekend. So um, those would be the the ones that are most affected by international call ups. When you think about the international call ups from Atlanta, you're like, um, it's Ryan Reese and somebody else. It's like, Matt Heaton and Connor Keys as well. Okay, so the, the Canadian guys. So yeah. so you so they got Ryan Reese called up. Okay, well they got two other scrum halves that they've and Chance Wengluski. Oh, Chance Wengluski, yeah. But they've got other props. They've got other flankers, and they've got other scrum halves. They are the Atlanta is the least affected by international call ups, even though they had four international call ups because they have depth at all those positions. <laughs> it, it's it's actually funny. Um, Scott Lawrence was asked that at one of the press conferences, and he was like, "That's why we brought. That's why we have Mike Manazaro. Like we brought him in for this specific situation to handle, to be that depth for when call up happen for call ups happen." Um. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, not missing the playoffs. Taft. Mark it down. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. So Utah or New York would be the two. Uh. I mean, or. Atlanta, I guess. I, I don't know. Um, I mean, the question is who's missing the playoffs because of call-ups, right? So you got to pick a team you think is going to miss the playoffs. I think I would say Utah is the most likely team to miss the playoffs because of international call-ups. Do I think they will? I don't know. I mean, if they get to, if they get at least two bonus points this weekend, then the chance that they make the playoffs is very high. If they don't get any bonus points this weekend, if they don't get any points, table points at all this weekend, um, it's it's looking closer to Austin's um, Austin in the driver's seat. I don't think San Diego is – I think losing losing the game last week took their the wind out of their sails because they still have to hope that – they have. They need something to happen to Utah and Austin for them to make it. And they have the LA bus. And then they and then they have to and then they have to win on top of that. And then yeah, and they run into the bus saw that is LA. So yeah. Rooney also has a game in hand on Utah as well. Games in hand. I hate that phrase. Sorry. <laughs> Just say they're a game. They're a game back or something like that. You know, like. That wouldn't be a correct phrase, though. <laughs> yeah, but we, what, we is a, what does a game in hand even mean? They have one extra to play, so that they have more okay, chance. Then, then speak, then speak American and say uh, they have an extra. You know, but but here's the thing: we use we're using points in MLR. We're not using. I actually, I, I will say, I was thinking about this earlier today. I was not a person that was a fan of points when the league first started, and I will admit. It's grown on me. 
and it has made the league more competitive because it incentivized scoring. Um, what I will say is that the way they do it overseas because they don't have a conference system, I don't think it like the point system isn't doesn't really do anything for me. I think because we have a conference system and you have a cross conference play, that makes things very interesting. So I guess let me ask you that this question on the points then. Which point which bonus point do you like better? Do you like score four tries or do you like win by three or more? You win by win by, win by three tries by or seven more. or less. Win by three tries or more? Isn't that the what isn't that the bonus point in um super rugby? Uh, I don't know. No, I, I I like the the premise of you can get two losing bonus points. Um, I, I like that premise because that, that incentivizes the the team that is losing at the time to to score a lot and to be within a certain amount, you know. So I, I, I like that. It, the whole system has grown on me. I, I, I was surprised. I'm you could look at what I said four years ago on this show and say, well, blah blah blah. Yeah, uh I've changed because, hey, this league is really competitive. It's really cool. Like, it, it has worked out very well. Um, and so far, we have not gotten a team with a losing record in the playoffs like has happened in the NFL and the NBA. Did so, Utah have a losing record the first year when it got in the playoffs? Have we? No. Uh-uh. Let's, I mean, I'm going to look this up just so 2018 MOR season. I think they had a losing season when they left the playoffs, if that makes sense. They were three and five. You were three and five? Jeez. So I I agree with your point in general. Three and five, man. Um, And then they became three and six. They would have made the playoffs with or without points, even at three and five. Yeah. So, you know. Well, uh, that's it for for Earful of Dirt this week. Uh, catch us um, at Earful of Dirt everywhere on social except TikTok. If you want to become our TikTok manager, slide into the deems. Maybe you can create some cool content. It will be a free internship. Sorry, we can't pay you. Um, but um, find me at the Strober on Twitter, uh, Josh Fredland at Josh Fred, and uh, Craig at MM Fly Half. Um, his columns have been getting pretty good, other than his uh, his his Teo reliance metric. That's that's we're creating a new metric. We're gonna call it reliance. The TRM <laughs> reliance. So, all right. Um, see you guys uh, on the socials, and have a good week. Thanks for listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby podcast. Connect with your hosts via Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Earful of Dirt. Visit our website at earfulofdirt.com or email us your thoughts and questions to earfulofdirt at gmail.com. Please note, Aaron Castro is employed by Major League Rugby. His opinions are his own.